0: mm <laughs> This is Brother Julius me. We are now we are going through the Acts of the Apostles. I'm now in chapter 11. In chapter 10 was when Peter visited the house of Cornelius, that was a centurion that called for him, who saw an angel and called for him to come and talk to them. And then, when he was talking, the Holy Ghost fell upon the house of Cornelius, and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Let's go to chapter 11. Now Peter, we come back to Jerusalem, and the disciples heard about this, and they are going to question Peter. I'll how did you? Why did you go to meet the Gentiles? Chapter eleven, verse one. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. The Gentiles now. You mean Gentiles mean non-Jews? But they were all in Caesarea. Is still part of the Jewish land. You see, but the Gentiles living there because they are the Roman soldiers that were living that are controlling the, the land. And when Peter was come up as verse two to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Now you have to remember, this was written many years later. By the time Luke was writing this Acts of the Apostles, there have already been a, a, a division called the circumcision group among the believers and the uncircumcision group. Apostle Peter and uh, Apostle Paul and the Barnabas, when they were preaching about the to the Gentile world and they are getting converts. Some groups of believers from Jerusalem have been trying to say, these people need to be circumcised and be like us, which came in, China, in the next week chapter, we see that. And they have to go to Jerusalem to debate it, and they became and the apostles sided with Paul that yes, they don't need to be circumcised. But that does that did not silence this group. So they still fellowship with them, but they say, Well, we are the circumcision group. So anywhere they went, they tried to separate themselves from the Gentiles. See, we are the circumcision group. So that was what, apost- or what Luke was referring to when he said, day of the circumcision. That is, now we have two groups of believers. Those who are Jews that decide that they are going to be classified as you. they need to be circumcised to be really be saved. That's the adding circumcision to the gospel of Christ. Why the people that are following Apostle Paul's teaching said, no, we don't need to be circumcised. Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. But only the Jews kept... Doing the circumcision. So that was why he called them Day of the Circumcision. This group said, they are the ones that confronted Peter then and said, well, you did this, Verse three. And they of the Circumcision concerning with him, saying, thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. They are not questioning him, they are chiding him. Someone like say, oh, you went to, to, to this uncircumcised people and eat with them. Not that you eat with them, no, you eat with them. I mean, they are, they are more or less accusing him. Not, not a question, it's an accusation. You went and eat with them. Hmm? <laughs> then Peter, like I said, was somebody trying to say, I'm the one, God told me this. I'm the one God said is the head Don't question. No, he just humbled himself. Apostle Peter was humble. And that is the first thing we must assume. We must show forth humility. But Peter has the matter from the beginning and expanded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa. So he didn't say, I'll talk, tell this man, and then go tell this man. And then, no, he just, everybody gathered together, I'll tell him, tell you what really happened. So then they want, they want to hear. So he said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet, laid down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which when I had fasted my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed bees of the earth and wild bees and creeping things and fowls of the earth the kinds of things that we normally would call unclean meat. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common unclean as at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times. All were drawn up into heaven. Again, verse 11. And behold, immediately there were three men already come to into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Well, that is the key. The Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. That's what he said. He said, moreover, just to make them to know that I didn't just go by myself, these six brethren accompanied me. And we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house. We stood and said unto him, "Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved." So that he told them, the man said the angel told him to send for Peter. Verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. As on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Which means, it was the Lord that just baptized them with the Holy Ghost. Even before I finished my sermon. But seventeen: For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us, it's a gift. It's like gift, he gave it to us, He gave it to them too. Who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? What was I that I could withstand God? You all, all of you are saying that you, you went to the gentile. You shouldn't go to the gentile. I say, who am I to be to be challenging God? So God gave the same gift to us and He gave to them. Who am I to be challenging God? So right? that's what happened. So as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, well, then as God also the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. We would have said that should have settled it for all this circumcision group. No, it didn't settle it. Many years later, you see that in the next few chapters, they still, some of them still went about talking to the, to the churches and generals. You need to be sometimes, guys, you guys need to be circumcised to be like us. Well, will make them come back to Jerusalem begin and debate it many years later. Verse 19. Now they which were scattered now is from verse 19 is going to we have finished talking about Peter. Now going to talk about the rest of the disciples that were going about witnessing. Verse 19. Now they which was scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. See, the believers in Jerusalem that were scattered because they were Jews, when they scattered from Jerusalem and fled from the persecution that uh, a of thousands was putting against them, they were going everywhere, but you see, they were only talking to the Jews. See, because they are Jews. So because of them talk, it's only for the Jews also. They were talking, telling the Jews when they see, they go to their synagogue where they are, they talk to their Jewish friends and say, this is what happened. This is what we you know, Jesus Christ is the Savior. and so So, some of them will believe, some of them will not believe. So they only talk to the Jews. They never talk to the Gentiles. You know? what are the Gentiles? The people in the towns, where they went. The Jews are just a small community in all these Gentile lands. So the Jews are just a small community. We in this all these Gentile countries where these people are fleeing to. So that's why I say they only are talking to the Jews only. Because that was what they thought. It is only the nation of Jews that are uh, to be to be giving the message of the of gospel. Verse 20. And some of them which were some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch speak unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. You no, know, some of them that were formerly born in those places also, they may have friends. So they didn't just talk to the Jews. They had some Gentile friends. They talked to their friends too that are Gentile about this same thing they had when they were in Jerusalem. So some of them begin to believe that the like Greeks, Greeks are Jews are Gentiles and so. Now, they use the word Greeks to symbolize anyone that is speaking Greek, because in that generation, if you are in Jerusalem, you are speaking Hebrew. Many the Romans that came to Jerusalem, they have to either speak Greek. Greek was because the Grecian Empire was before the Roman Empire. So the language of the Greeks has already become almost like what you call the lingua franca, the general language that many people learned to be able to trade before the Romans took over. And the Romans have their own language, they were using Latin, but they also learned Greek. So when they were conquering the nations, the most likely were already speaking Greek, I mean the Romans. So the Greek language was already permeating the societies of, the, of that world around that time. So that's why if they are not speaking Hebrew in Jerusalem, they are speaking Greeks. So that's why they said the, these people, when they got to Cyprus and Cyrene, they speak to the Grecians, I mean people that are speaking Greek does not mean they are all Greeks by, by ethnicity. Yeah. They just speak language of Greeks. But if you are either speaking Hebrew, if you are Jew, or you are speaking Greek, if you have learned Greek. But were, that's what they mean by, they speak unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and turned unto the Lord. Verse 22 says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And when they had that many churches, there are small groups in Antioch that are already believe it, believers in Christ, and they were excited as well. Let's exhort them some more. does the tidings of these things, the things that the, some believers that are already, already in Cyprus and in Antioch, that are converted by these, this that that's scattered everywhere. So this, they had it together, and they sent forth Barnabas that you should go as far as Antioch. Well they said they send Barnabas. Um, of the opinion that maybe Barnabas volunteer that hey you like to go and visit and witness, yeah, that may be a good idea. We need to do something like that. So they send Barnabas, Not that they say Barnabas, because you are talking of all believers, why just send Barnabas? If they are actually sending a, a team, they will have sent two people to visit like Peter and John went to Samaria and also. They didn't just say, Well, let's send John to go and lay hand upon them. Let's send Peter. No, Peter and John went to visit. That was like a a delegate. But this time, he says, he sends Barnabas. I don't think they just call Barnabas out of the, the car and say, Barnabas, you can go and go, to, go go for every city and go as far as I can. No, he must have volunteered because he must perhaps was evangelistic in his mind. So if he's evangelistic, he wanted to do this and he suggested to them, say, you know, it's a good idea, Barnabas. And they maybe lay hand upon him and pray for him and say, yes, go do that, uh, Barnabas. That's a good thought that God put in your heart. So we know it is the Lord that normally put those ideas into people's heart. When we'll Lord put something to your heart, go forward, go do it, and you see it's blessing because you always follow. signs we follow. So we say the same Barnabas that you should go as far as Antioch. So we, we had uh, all the way to Antioch. That's how far we are far that this message has reached. So go as far as Antioch. So verse 20 says, "Barnabas when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all." that with purpose of heart they will cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith." And much people were silent unto the Lord. So his ministry over there also encouraged many more people to come on in to this, uh, to this uh, Christianity. Verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to six so. Now Barnabas has already made friends with uh, soul of Tarsus because he, he was the one that took Saul before the apostles and told the apostles how Saul was converted in, on the way to Damascus and how he has been preaching in Damascus for the last three years. And now he, he was back in Jerusalem then and the disciples were afraid of Saul of Tarsus because they knew his history. And he was a persecutor arresting them. So then after he officially introduced Saul of Tarsus, so the apostles, they now received Saul of Tharsos as one of the brethren in Jerusalem. Until Saul of Tarsus was now having a problem with the other non-believing Jews that they wanted to kill Saul of Tarsus. So they said, well, you, Saul, why don't you just go back to, to your home so that you don't cause trouble here again. So they sent Saul of Tharsos to go back to Tharsos where he was born. So that was how far Saul of Tharsos was. And, and Barnabas knew that he was in Tharsos. In but uh Palace was not too far away from Antioch, so, so Barnabas said, well, gee, I need to get Saul over here because Saul has some insight, some revelation that God was, that they were sharing together because you remember Saul said he went to Arabia to, to, to wait on the Lord. So he could have conveyed some of those, uh, those revelations to Barnabas when they met and well, maybe they met at Damascus first. And he knew that there was a special gift God has given to Saul of Tarsus, uh, some revelation of insight into the, of the mystery of Christ. They said, Well, I need to get Saul of Tarsus here into this sanctuary so that he can also be a good teacher here with, with me or with uh, the rest of the people here. So that's why he said he departed to Tarsus to seek for Saul, because he knew that when he said we, he went back to his hometown, so he go there, and how do you know where he lives in his hometown? Well, most of those towns are not huge cities. And of course, if they are Jews, they always have a community. So just know they say, where do the Jews meet? Oh, where do they normally live? They will live in this section of town. So that was how he knew where to go. He just looked for where is the synagogue is of the Jews, and wherever the synagogue of the Jews was, the Jews as that area where they live. So in the synagogue, you look for, do anybody heard about Saul of Tarsus? Oh yeah, he, he lives over there. So that was how he was able to easily find Saul of Tarsus was 26 years, and when he had found him, so you see, he must have searched for him. He brought him onto Antioch because they were friends. He said, well, gee, you need to come to Antioch. What's going on there? I'll tell you. And he told him about how the church is started in Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. So you can see now, Barnabas didn't just come to a visit for just one week. You see, it's not just a visitor for one week. When, that's why I said, when he left Jerusalem, he must have volunteered because he was evangelistic in, him, in his own side and the Lord has made it to be so in his side. God revealed to you sometimes what he's calling you to be. So Barnabas Palace has already been receiving from the Holy Ghost in him that he was going to be a missionary, what you call missionary, eh? evangelist as you go from place to place because that was already being built in him. That was why he volunteered, he wanted to get out of Jerusalem and go do some, some footwork for the Lord and he just sort of volunteered and went. We had about churches are being formed in all these places. I would like to go and visit. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And they blessed him and he went. So he didn't just go for two weeks. He went They said one year they were in Antioch. And he needed a sort of thousands. He went and got, got sort of thousands to come and join and be teaching right here. So they assembled themselves with the church as verse well 26 and taught much people. And the Bible said, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That is the name Christians were now a brand name for them. Because they were saying they were behaving like Christ. They are talking about Christ. They are talking about Christ. They are talking, talking about Christ. Christ said this, Jesus Christ is the Lord. So that's why the these are Christians. Believe followers of Christ. is what that means. Followers of Christ. See, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Verse 27. And in these days, came prophets from Jerusalem onto Antioch. Now you now can see what is it. Antioch became like the first well, well, well established church was first in Antioch that's now established where well, there are not enough crowd and people will come from Jerusalem just to visit. And here comes another say another prophet come from Jerusalem because he said, "Oh, there is a church that you love to go to." Where you have your church, there are people that like money, go to visit them, fellowship with them, and come back home. And that was why people now say, they come from Jerusalem, they go as far as Antioch. If there's another small church over there, maybe they visit them. Antioch was a, a bigger city where they have a well-established believers group. And then he said, and in these days, verse 27, I'm reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 11, verse 27. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them, named Agabus, and signified by the spirit that there should be great deeds throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now we will mention we will mention Agabus as a noted prophet among the brethren, and we mention it. We you see his name again in the next in the chapters following when he came and told Apostle Paul that this is what's going to happen to you when you go to Jerusalem, in the final part that Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem. Now, let's continue. He prophesied that there will be a great famine that's dear throughout all the world. And that he said, that came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now, that could have been five years ahead of the time he was prophesying this. It would be ten years ahead. We do not know how. You have to check calendar and say, when this was prophesied, before Claudius Caesar became Caesar. He said, this came to pass, at least this prophecy he gave was not like uh, it happened the following month, See? not like the following month. The idea is a famine that normally is, it takes time for that famine to begin to affect the land. Let's, let's say there's no more rain. Well, if there's no more rain does not mean that the following month, everybody will be hungry. No. What about what they have thought of the outfits of last year? They'll still be eating that. So that's why when there is a dear, it will take a, some few years before it's becoming severe. And people are now realizing that there's drought or deer or severe famine here. Because they are still eating the food. They Maybe they didn't get anything planted or planted. They didn't get anything the following year. But what they are still eating, what is left. But when it's kept two years, three years, four years, it's becoming serious also. That's when they know, begin to realize that it's a, it's a real famine where there's no more food left. So that. That's why they say it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. It could have been four years later, five years later, before even the Caesar that they are talking about started raining. Then the disciples, every man, when they had that prophecy, they decided to do something about it. I mean, like planning ahead. Every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and so. On. Why did they decide to send something to the brethren in Judea? You have to remember, some years before the brethren in Judea, when the church started, they were so fired up and zeal in them as many, many of them sold their assets. I call it assets. Land is an asset. Houses are assets. I don't. The Bible. The Bible didn't mean that they forsake their jobs. If they have jobs or businesses, the Bible didn't mean that they forsook jobs or forsook businesses. Were only going to be eating. because forsaking jobs or businesses is not what they did. They sold the assets. Somebody that has a house and has uh, another land, his father's house land, and they are making, keeping it for for, for the future, where it will become appraised and it will become a, they will sell it in the future. So, they begin to sell it right now and I say, why am I keeping this when Jesus Christ is coming back soon? Why am I going to need this when Jesus Christ is back? So, that was the asset they were selling. They were selling houses. If they have two houses, they want to sell it off. And just leave in one I don't need to keep. So, those are the assets. Things that you can rely on when things are, things that is making you extra income. Those are the things they begin to sell and just bring the money and share it. Not storing things for themselves, that has some repercussions because the Lord Jesus come just the way they were expecting to come right away. You see, with time there will be need for things. Like when, the, when there is farming like this, people begin to need to sell something. Also, if there is no more food, in the days of remember in Egypt, when there was farming that Joseph was uh, a storage stock pack food, and they started needed to buy the food that there was no more food that they are growing, they have to buy from Pharaoh. But they need money to buy it from food also. After they spend all the money, there's still no, the family is not gone yet. They needed something to sell. So those who have car too, they are selling their cattle. just to buy food. Otherwise, they are going to die if they don't have food also. Then after they sold all their cattle, what they have is they have nothing left, they have lands. That's, those are assets. If they have a house, they can sell it to get money just to buy food. So they started selling their land, the land they normally use for farming, the the they all used to do all the agriculture. That's what did. but the agriculture is no more possible because there is, there is no, no rain and there is farming. So they start selling their land just to get money to buy food. And they are buying the food from Joseph in Egypt. So those are the assets. Those who have no land will be the first ones to die and also, if there is nothing to use to buy food. Or there's now time When there is nothing more to sell, what did they do? They sold themselves as slaves to the rich man. But just give us food, we wash, we we will serve you. So that for just for food and shelter, we will serve you. That was what they did in Egypt. They were just now selling themselves to Pharaoh, who was the king who owned you all this things that will be by Joseph. So that was why assets are important. When you buy assets and you don't think you are going to you don't think you are going to pass away right now, buy assets for the for the rainy day. You are saving something for the future. Something that can last, that can use in the future. That was what assets are really needed for? But the people in Judea, when they started the church, they have sold all their assets out of the zeal that the Lord is coming soon. They sold all their assets, houses, lands, and many years come by now and then it's coming a diet. So that was what the believers in Antioch realized that with a minute, if there is diet and no more food, this brethren will need something that they can rely on. What can they rely on? They have sold their assets. Very the food, the money will we, we fail. What can they sell to get money to buy food? So people will say, well, you better help them by contributing money so that you can send it to them. So that's why they begin to contribute to send them relief before the farming starts. And then before, we have said it happened in the days of Colossians Caesar. That is the end of chapter 11. We shall continue this in chapter 12. God bless you.